Let's transition now to Romans, and um, we just have a little bit of time left. Let me, let me pray, and then we'll get into the book of Romans. Father, we pray that you would guide us to church in these things. Um, we just thank you for your grace. Thank you that we have a, a culture here of, of grace. You have shown great grace to us, and that's how we deal with others. God, because of the, uh, the wonderful forgiving kindness of Christ towards us, we can do nothing but extend that to other people. And so we pray that the richness of the gospel of grace would be true in all of us, that we would come actually to enjoy that grace and enjoy it immensely. God, that we could extend your glory, God, extending that in, in every way possible, and we pray that you would guide us over the next uh, months and years at Rock Valley Bible Church to to praise, to, to bless and honor you and your son. So we covered in, in prayer meeting today, Psalm 96. Ascribe to the Lord um, the glory due his name. God, that's so much what we want to do is ascribe to you the glory of your name. Both to one another and to the world that is dying without Christ. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, throughout my life, I can't tell you how many times, how many people I've told about Jesus. And I'm not talking about just standing up and preaching in front of uh, lots of people, because I haven't preached in front of thousands of people before. Um, And I haven't had many, lots of opportunities for that. But I'm just talking about regular conversations in life, where I bring up uh, conversations, where I bring up spiritual things about, about the church or the, the scriptures or my life or my testimony and, and tell people about Jesus and forgiveness of sins that come through faith in him. I don't have any idea how many conversations I've had. My best guess is hundreds, perhaps, of, of conversations I've had with people and telling them about, about Jesus. And um, I can't tell you how many of those conversations I've had in which the people have rejected my message have rejected Jesus. Now, uh, certainly it's the vast majority of conversations I've had, but it's often with a smile, cordially. Some even commend me for my faith. That's good for you. I'm I'm so encouraged by your life. Um, But rejected nonetheless in in unbelief. Um, And your your experience is probably much the same. That the vast majority of people you talk to about Jesus... um, Believe in unbelief. Now, just know that you're in good company. The prophets of old were mostly rejected. Jesus was mostly rejected as well. At the end of his earthly ministry, had only 120 followers, perhaps, probably had a church our size. And, and he had all the advantage of being God incarnate. But he was, he was rejected so much. As we see in our text this morning, in Romans chapter 10... Uh, verses, uh, I think it's 18 through 20. Um, we're going to see with Paul dealing with uh, the same thing. He's dealing with Israel's rejection of the truth. It's been the topic ever since the beginning of chapter 9, where, where Paul expressed his great sorrow and, and unceasing anguish in his heart over the unbelief of Israel. He said he wished he could be accursed for the sake of his brothers. If possible, he'd rather go to hell for them. Jesus died for him. He wants to die for others. He said... Romans chapter 10, verse 1. My heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. He said his heart's desire for these Jewish people. Now, it's not for lack of opportunity. It's not for lack of knowledge. They heard the gospel, but they rejected it. 
Indeed, this is the point of my message this morning. It's hearing but not believing. Romans 10, 16 through 18 is the verses. I don't know why I messed that up. Been in them all week. Romans 10, 16 through 18. If you haven't opened your Bibles now, I suggest you do. If you didn't bring a Bible, your pew Bible, page 946. Um, at any rate, just put a, a copy of God's Word before you. If you want on your phone or your tablet, that would be okay as well. I want to read our, our three verses here this morning. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed, they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Our text begins with a word of contrast. It begins with this word, but. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Or as the uh, NAS says, uh, however, they did not heed the gospel. Same thing, right? A big contrast. It's in contrast, really, to the previous section. It doesn't make sense apart from the, the previous section, particularly verses 11 through 13, where, where Paul puts forth the universality of the gospel, that the good news is for all who believe. Look at verse 11. It says, For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There it is. The universal promise of the gospel that everyone who believes in the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. Now, just to be clear, to be saved is to be rescued. Is to be taken from a point of danger into a point of safety. Right? A lifeguard saves swimmers from drowning. And a fireman saves children from burning houses. And a paramedic saves patients from cardiac arrest. And when talking about the scriptural context, we see faith saves sinners from the punishment of hell. We see what Paul is getting at from the very first chapter of Romans 1. Romans 1, we encounter an angry God, a God who has wrath because his people have rebelled against him. And as a result, they are subject to his judgment. But the good news that Paul presents to be saved is that we can be saved from the wrath of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 3.24 We can be justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We simply need to believe in the cross. We need to believe in Jesus. Believe His sacrifice on the cross for our sins and resurrection from the dead for our justification. Romans 4.25 And we'll be saved from the punishment that our sins deserve. And this promise is universal. It comes to everyone who believes in the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10.13 And this is what drives Paul's passion to make the gospel known. This is why he wrote Romans. I told you that two weeks ago. Because he wants to go to Spain at Romans 15.24 Because he wants to preach the gospel there. So the people will hear and be saved from their sin and enjoy eternity with God. That's the whole reasoning behind verses 14 and following. How then will they call on him and whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in whom and whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And Paul wants to be sent. He wants to be supported. He wants to, to be enabled to have those beautiful feet that bring the gospel to those who don't know Christ. Paul wants to preach the gospel where Christ has not already been named. Now, now the sad reality is this. Not everyone who hears the gospel believes. It's what 
We see here in verse 16, not believing. (coughs) Look at verse 16. It says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Who has believed what he has heard from us? They're not believing. We see disobedience and we see unbelief. We see disobedience in verse 16a. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. There we see disobedience. We see unbelief in the second half of verse 16. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? The answer to that question is they haven't or been few or none. Now, in many ways, this whole idea about disobedience and unbelief are, are two parts of the same coin. To believe the gospel is to obey the gospel. And to obey the gospel is to believe the gospel. Because if you genuinely believe in Christ, you will obey him. And all properly motivated obedience comes from faith. That's what Paul's aiming at in his ministry. It's, it's obedient faith. Romans 1 verse 5. In fact, if you just hold you got to read this. Like turn back to Romans 1 verse 5. Speaking of Paul, he was given apostleship. We have received grace and apostleship. Here it was to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. He's aiming not just for faith, but he's aiming for the faith, the obedience producing faith is what he's aiming for. The faith that bears fruit, the faith that results in in obedience. Now, see, there are those who try to separate these things. You can believe and you don't really need to obey. Hyper grace people just just say, oh, well, it's all grace. You just believe just kind of with your head. But but it means you put action to it. The, the testimony of the Bible is that God saves us by his grace for good works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We've been saved by grace. Why? We're his workmanship, Ephesians 2, 10. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Titus 2, 11 and 12. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. God's grace, bringing salvation, right? Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. As we believe, God's grace changes us and we'll walk in obedience. Yet the reality is this, that many who hear will neither believe the truth nor obey the truth. Again, verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? This is nothing new. This is nothing that just Paul experienced. This was Israel. In fact, this quote comes from Isaiah 53, verse 1. You remember Isaiah 53? Isaiah 53 is a great passage that that prophesies most clearly of the, the suffering and the death of the Messiah being so clear about what would take place. Let me just read a few verses for you. You can read the whole chapter at your leisure. You get a sense of this. This is 700 years before Christ predicting the sufferings of the Messiah. Isaiah 53, 3. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and he's carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is the whole idea of the suffering Messiah bearing our sins. 
Now, it's not clear exactly how, but he, he was stricken and smitten and pierced for our transgressions and crushed. Of course, that was the cross of how it was fulfilled. That was the life of Jesus, living among us, despised and rejected, pierced and crushed on the cross, and his sufferings were redemptive. <clears throat> he died for our sins. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. There's the gospel, Isaiah 53, 6. Laying on Jesus our iniquities. It's the message that many heard. Many heard in Isaiah's day and refused to believe. They heard it and rejected it. That's the idea of verse 16. And today it's no different. The majority of those who hear the message today won't be believing. The sad thing, though, is that that hearing is the path to believing. And and they hear it, but they they don't believe it. Like, it, it it doesn't quite... Finished. And that's what we see in verse 17. We see believing comes from hearing. Look at there. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This really is the heart of, of our text. This really is the heart of my, my message title, hearing but not believing, right? Because believing comes through hearing, right? Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. That's why Paul was so eager to get to Spain is because faith comes by hearing. They cannot believe if they don't hear. And so if they don't hear, they need to have someone sent to go. You say, what do they hear? Well, they hear the word of Christ. And there's some discussion about what exactly this means. There, there's some that say this need, means the, the very words of Jesus. They need to hear the words of Christ. The, the, the spoken words of Jesus. Like Paul experienced in the road to Damascus. When he was walking along that road. And, and then a, a, a bright light from heaven shone around him. And he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And... And he inquired, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. As a voice of Jesus, he heard the word of Christ. And some say that people need to hear these words. Now, that's a bit mystical for me to to say that that's the the proper interpretation. But there's a sense where that's true, where where even through the word of God, we, we read the scriptures, and that is God's voice to us. All scriptures breathed out by God. It is the very word of God that, that comes to us. And, and that may be just scripture coming to us. Now, it doesn't, it's not just only red letters that we have to read. Um, but red letters are the words of Jesus, right? They're, they're what he spoke, which might be. But, but I think more general is even words about Christ. And even as Jesus spoke words in the Bible that we have, even words about Christ. Like Isaiah 53, consider that, that, that the words about Christ are in Isaiah 53. I'll, I'll just read some more verses from that chapter, verse 7 and 8. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? See, those aren't words of Jesus. Those are words about Jesus. And those are the very words that people didn't believe that they need to Believe, as Paul quoted in verse 16. I think that's what needs to be communicated. The words about Christ. And like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, the, the priority of the gospel. I delivered you as the first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. These are words about Christ. What he did, he died for our sins. Dying in our place, dying as our Substitute, cut off, out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of 
my people. He was buried. His, his death was real. His body was cold. He was placed in the earth. He was raised on the third day. The body came to life and Jesus walked up out of the tomb, all in accordance with the scripture. These are words about Christ and Paul identifies them as the gospel. It's what people need to hear because believing comes from hearing. Let's look here at my, my last point. I want to just kind of still dovetail off these believing and hearing sort of stuff. We see, verse 16, those who are hearing. They're not believing in verse 16. And the reality of the principle of verse 17 is that believing comes from hearing. And now in verse 18, we see them hearing. Because the question naturally rises, are, are they not believing because they're not hearing? Paul says, no. No, no, no. They have, they have heard. Look, he asked that question in verse 18. But I ask, have they not heard? He says, no, they have. Their voice has gone out into all the earth and their words to the end of the world. See, the problem with unbelief is primarily not a problem of information. Our world thinks that today, and we can easily think that today. Oh, if only they knew enough. Only if we can convince them enough. That's not, that's not true. There, there's something else. The, the, the problem with unbelief lies else, elsewhere in our heart. It lies in sin. It lies in the darkness of the inner soul that doesn't want to submit to the Lord or to his ways. Just a, a couple of examples. We don't, we don't have time to look at these, but, but we could. Just consider Luke chapter 4. When, uh, when Jesus goes to his hometown and he speaks in the synagogue... To them, and, and, and initially, right, people were, were speaking well of him. Luke 4, verse 22, and they spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words of Jesus coming out of his mouth, saying, isn't this Joseph's son? He came back to Nazareth, and now he's got a chance to preach in the church, and they're like fawning over him. It's wonderful. And then when his message comes, as soon as he stopped speaking in Luke chapter 4, verse 28, and they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so they could throw him down off the cliff. You know why you throw someone down off the cliff, don't you? To break their legs so they can't run so you can throw big rocks on them and kill them. It wasn't information about Jesus. It was the hardness of heart that caused them to, to turn. Or, or I think another illustration. Uh, Mark, Mark chapter 5. You remember the man with the unclean spirit that nobody could bound. That he was, he was off by the tombs in there. And, and what Jesus did, he saw the legion of, of demons and he, he cast them out of him. And they said, well, let us go in the pigs. And so they go in the pigs and 2,000 pigs rush down into the water and, and are drowned. And then the demon-possessed man was in his senses and sitting there control. What no one else could do, Jesus could do. And those in the Gerasene region... As they they were there, it says in Mark chapter 5, that when they came to see Jesus, this is verse 15, saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed in his right mind, they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to this demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. They didn't believe, they saw, maybe they did believe, but they were terrified. They said, get away. Belief would embrace and would gather and say, that's what we want. We want the man who can calm the man with the unclean spirit. Or one last illustration in Acts chapter 4, where you got Peter and John who have 
healed this lame man who, who was notorious. And, and they said, silver and gold, I don't have any, but I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. And this man walked. And so then the, the council of the Pharisees heard they were talking in Jesus, the, the resurrection of the dead. They said, we don't, we don't want anything of that. And as they were reasoning, they, they, they said this, after Peter and John had preached to them that there's, there's, he's the cornerstone which was rejected, there's salvation no one else except Jesus. There's the information, there's the hearing. And you'd think there's a miracle. On top of that, you've got some, some preaching and Jesus, whom God raised from the dead, here it comes. And listen to the response. Acts 4, verse 13. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Right? They're, they're, they were done. But with the hardness of their heart, when, when they commanded to leave, the council conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men for a, that a, noble, a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may not spread further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more in this name. So they call them, don't preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. It's not a matter of information. There's something else going on. These people heard more clearly than others, right? Seeing they can't deny the miracle, they see it's the power of Jesus. <coughs> Go away. Go away. Hearing. And so just hearing doesn't solve the problem in verse 18, he says, have they, and then I heard, yes, they have, verse 18. And then he gives them proof. He goes to Psalm chapter 19 for proof. Verse 4 in, in particular. Their voice has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. And if you read Psalm 19 in its context, you see it's referring here to creation. That the sun and the moon and the stars, the, the, the testimony of God goes throughout all creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the Sky above proclaims his handiwork. <coughs> day to day pours out speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. There's no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. But their voice has gone out through all the ends of the earth. And their world to the ends. Their words to the end of the world. Meaning that it just in, in Psalm 19, it's just the creation is everywhere. Everyone sees the sun. In other words, using the words of Isaac Watts. <coughs> there's not a plant nor flower below but makes thy glories known. And clouds arise and tempests flow by order from thy throne, while all that borrows life from thee is ever in thy care. And everywhere that man can be, thou God art present there. (coughs) Excuse me, I have a cold this week. Got through pretty well. But there's no place on the planet you can escape the presence of God. The creation proclaims his presence and his power it's a point that, that um, Paul made in Romans 1 about how God's individual attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen through what has been made so that people without excuse. Everyone knows about creation, and, and Paul just piggybacks on that illustration here in Romans 10. And he applies this, this universality of, of the gospel going out to the gospel, to, yeah, to the gospel. <coughs> the same imagery of it, of it just going and spreading. It's gone far and wide. In fact, Listen to what he says. Yeah, I'm almost done, so I'm, I'm okay. Thank you, Adriana. Just consider what he says in Romans 15. You can just turn over there, and that's where we'll end. Romans 15, 18 and following. He says, Well, I will not venture to speak of anything of what Christ, except what Christ has accomplished through me.
to bring them. <clears throat> I, maybe I'll take up water. I'm so close to that. <coughs> maybe there. We got something here. I'm sorry. Drink of water before I got up and <clears throat> literally just had two minutes left. I thought I was gonna make it, but that's okay. You remember this forever. Like whenever anything bad happens, you're like, remember that forever. Like, here he was going the home stretch, and he just died. <laughs> like the marathon runner who's running along and. It was delirious and can't quite make it to the end. You remember those things, so you'll remember this, right? That the, the word has been spread through all. Romans fifteen eighteen. Let's look at that again. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that, this is amazing, from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I've finished. I fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. That, that's Jerusalem in the east. And if you go up into Galatia, <coughs> and you pass over into Macedonia and Greece, right? Illyricum is just just right there. And then Rome is just a little bit beyond that, and Spain is just a little bit beyond that, or a lot beyond that. And he says, in all that region, he says, I fulfilled my ministry. He says in verse twenty that I make it my ambition. To preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. In other words, right in all that region there, Christ has already been named, he said. But I need to go someplace where Christ has never been named. He, he felt that, that the word had spread throughout his land in that day. But he wanted to go to Spain because the word has not yet gone there. And, and that's the idea here. Their voice has gone out through the earth, their words to the ends of the world. And every time when he went into villages and spoke in the synagogues and, and changed towns, and in Thessalonica it said he turned the world upside down, is what he was being accused against. And people, it wasn't from lack of knowledge. that The knowledge was getting out there about the gospel. But it was that they weren't believing. But in this case, right, the, the word's gone out. That's why he wants to go someplace where they haven't heard yet. And I had to say what was true of Paul's day is much more true of our day. The internet leaves us all without excuse. Leaves so many in the world without excuse. <coughs> but Paul says, right, we got to go. We, we, we got to say, pay attention to what words. It's not faith comes by reading blog posts, right? Faith comes by hearing as we go and tell others about Jesus. That's the effective way. That's how, how God uses, oftentimes, mostly to, to transform hearts and lives, is when we go and tell. You know, sometimes people have a, a misconception of a church. is come and see. Come and come see. Come and invite. No, but we need to go and tell is where we need to be. You go out and, just, and, and you're out there already. Or just any unbeliever. And there may be some people who haven't heard. Even as the voice has gone out, are there people who haven't heard in your life? Are there people you're praying for? I encourage you to put a sticky note in front of your Bible. Pray for them every day. Just so God would give opportunities for the gospel. It's really easy, right? Pray for those you want to you share with, you want to speak to. And may God be gracious so that people will hear and believe. Rather than the pattern is hearing and not believing like the Jews, like the Jews were, which is what Paul is dealing with in this section 9 through 11. And next week we'll finish chapter 10 by seeing how, how, how God was intentionally working with, um, with the Israel nation 
and, and bringing up Gentiles to make them jealous so they might come to faith in Christ. Interesting passage. Let's pray. Father, give us a, a holy boldness for Jesus to speak with others. And, and I pray, God, that we might patiently endure the rejection of others. May we not fear men. Um, God, but may we, we live as lights and so that people would see our, our lives and would embrace that, see that, and embrace Jesus. <coughs> God, give us patience in this, in this matter. Give us persistence in this matter. We long, O oh Lord, for you to, to work in us. Um, so also, God, I, I just pray, even as we think of our church and our baptism service, we pray that there would be some here who would mm, feel compelled in their hearts to be baptized. Um, Father, also would pray for our potluck. God would pray it would be a sweet time of fellowship. We might encourage one another. We do thank you for the food that you so often provide us. Uh, God, we are, are such a people that are so immensely blessed pray that we use that then to turn around and serve others. We talk about my message tonight in our small groups. God, guide us and direct us and help us in these things. We thank you and love you. Thank you for Jesus, who is our, our hope and our redemption. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.